One of the phrases that he also used was, we are born from the same womb, Jesus Christ. And in this case, in the work in Waka, there are triplets that were born. Did you know you were part of a triplet? So we are one of the triplets, Wangan East Baptist. They are the other one, the church in that whole region. And then the, church, uh, the churches that support uh, that work too with Dick McClellan. They are the other part of the triplets. We are the only ones involved in that work. And it has been for all these years. And if you see the fruits of that work, you just praise the Lord. And we'll do some of that report back a bit later. But just to say that the 242 churches, under God's blessing there, have now increased to 250. And that's just since last year. Praise the Lord. Seeing as we're part of a triplet, I've got to bring the same message to you as I did to the other part of this family. And so I've given the first part of this message to the church there and I need to bring the second part of the message to the church here because it has relevance to us as well. And so that's what I want to do this morning and I'm going to base what I'm saying on Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. It's the same passage I used for them. So if you want to open your Bibles, I'll be looking at parts of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 4. But as we do so, let's just ask God to open our hearts and our minds so that His Spirit will use this time in our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, as we open Your Word and as we consider what You have to say to us this morning, we pray, Lord, that we would see You at work. As much as You work there in Ethiopia, Lord, we know that You are working in this country too, but Lord, we pray that we would see more of that work. And so, Lord, we pray this morning, would you open our hearts, would you open our minds, would you allow our spirits to be taught by your spirit, so that we would be encouraged in our walks to take out the gospel message wherever we go, so that your kingdom will be built up here too. May your name be glorified through our obedience, we pray this morning. Guide our thoughts and our hearts now, we pray. Amen. Is the gospel important to you? Yes? Amen. Is God's word important to you? Amen. There was a resounding amen in Ethiopia when I said those words. They treasure God's word. And so the gospel is at the core of what we do. It's at the core of what God has been doing in Ethiopia during these past 70-something years now. The gospel, as people have received it in their hearts, has broadened the kingdom there to now over 1,500 churches under the Kali Hayway Church Group only in the whole of Ethiopia. 1,500 churches. Now, granted, they've got a massive population compared to us. I think the city of Addis had more co- people in that city compared to the whole of this country. But the gospel has gone out. And there's a gospel partnership that exists between us. We're a triplet. Bob and Jean left this place 71 or 72 years ago. 
They went to work over there in Ethiopia. They planted the seeds of the gospel. And the seeds are now bearing fruit massively. And so we give praise to God for that. But I want to tell you the tale of two countries this morning. The first country is a beautiful country. Beautiful mountains, beautiful blue lakes, mostly. Beautiful seashore. You can see down to the bottom in certain areas in that country when you go kayaking around. It's economically strong. It's a really good place to be for safety. But for all its beauty, it's growing more and more morally bankrupt. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 5 describes a little bit of this country. From verse 2. For people will love only themselves and their money. Think about what we're reading now. They will be boastful and proud. Scoffing at God. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Think about that. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. Be reckless. Be puffed up with pride. And love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious. But they will reject the power that could make them godly. This country that I'm speaking about, the media, the news media are actively nearly anti-Christian now in messages that come out. The politics is becoming more and more anti-God. They've removed God from the prayer of their parliament. They've legalized abortion. They've legalized prostitution. They've legalized gay marriage. They've changed the definition of what marriage is. And now they are looking at euthanasia and making that legal. When you speak about these things in Ethiopia, especially to the church leaders, they nearly turn white. They'd never considered these things. When you speak these things to the church in Ethiopia, they hang on every word you say because they've never considered these things. The churches in this country hold to the truth lightly. In many services, you won't get the Word of God preached anymore. You'll get people's good thoughts being put across, motivational talks. And they have a bit of a religious slap across them, just to make things okay. There's a shallow knowledge of Scripture. And that's why I'm so grateful for sermons like last week's, 
where David could, or DT as we know him, could take us deeper into God's words. We need that. Don't shy away from that. We need it. Speak to many of our children today and you'll see there's a shallow knowledge of God's words. Among the young people, God's word is held lightly. And so the attitude is, I know the truth, but I'm going to live this way. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 sums up this country in many ways. For a time is coming when people, and it's speaking about people in the church, will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths or stories. But praise the Lord, even in this country that I'm speaking about, there are still churches who are the remnant of Jesus Christ. There are still believers who are the remnant of Jesus Christ. He's always promised He will keep a remnant for Himself. And they are faithful. But we need to remain faithful in this country. And yes, you could have gathered by now, I'm speaking about this country, this beautiful country of New Zealand, which I love to be part of, by the way. I would be no other place, because this is where the Lord has us too. But we are in serious trouble. And as a church, we need to realize that. And we need to do what we can to be the faithful ones, the remnant. Because in other parts of the world, they hear these things and they're shocked by it. We've got used to it. A bit like the frog in the frying pan, right? The heat's turned up gradually and now we're used to the heat. We don't even see it anymore. feel it anymore. I want to tell you about the other country now as well. Politically, that much less stable than what we are. They've had a real bloody past in the very near past. In the 80s and 90s, under the rule of the dirge or the communist rule, many, many, many believers lost their lives. Many, many, many believers were tortured for their faith. And they weren't as much tortured by the communists, they were tortured by those who supposedly hold to the name of Jesus too by the Ethiopian Coptic Church. The Pharisees of today in that country, and I'm speaking out about this, the ones who hold to rules and tradition more than they hold to the Gospel message, the ones that hold to rules and tradition over holding to who Jesus Christ is, the ones who hold hold to feasts and prophets and sayings and traditions more than the teachings of Scripture. The ones who hold to a form of the Gospel, but not to the Gospel. They have been the ones persecuting the church. And so as they've come through this bloody history, those who are Christians have stood up for their faith. 
And it's then during that time that the church has really grown. And it's proved that all over the world, hasn't it? The church grows under persecution because those who are not really believers fall away. Those who are really believers stand up. And they are accounted for their faith. And so today, evangelical Christianity is alive and well. And as I've mentioned already, a thousand five hundred churches just under the Kali Haywit group of churches. There are still other churches there, many of them. But evangelical Christianity is alive. And specifically in this area that we went to, the Dauro, Waka and Sodo area, Wailoto. The love for God and Jesus is alive to see. You just meet it in believers. They love Jesus Christ. My shoulder, the way they greet you, we'll show you when we do our report back, they give a bump to the shoulder. It's very mod, by the way. We should do it here. It's very cruisy. And um, my shoulder was bashed to pieces. Because they love you so much in Jesus Christ, they just want to greet you and hug you and love you. Comes out in them. The way they look after each other is the church. On the ground, feeding each other, looking after each other. You can see Jesus Christ is in this, these people. The gospel has reached their hearts and their lives. Many, 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 many young people are coming to the Lord. I think of this country. It's the opposite. Thousands and thousands of young people in the churches. And that's a problem. It's a good problem. But the problem is that there's very shallow teaching and there's no leaders who've actually walked the walk with Christ for many years who can actually teach them. There are too few. And so they're starting to err off into untruth. And we're going to touch a little bit about that when we do our report. And some of the problems that's creating in the church. But many, many young people, they sit in crowds when you speak to all these thousands of people. And the little children sitting there for up to five and six hours in a service. Okay, they've got guys with whips walking around, but try that in this country. But there's a love for Jesus Christ that comes out in their lives. And yes, there's no depth of Scripture. But it's getting there every single day that they're spending God's Word, that they get taught. They are getting a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it's showing in their lives. And there are many young people who are standing up and with inexperience, and with guidance, they are leading the church. And we praise God for those. And we get alongside them and we train them and we do what we can to help them. And that's where we get involved again. So is Christianity alive there? You bet it is. Praise be to God. And you see it in their humble service of each other. And that is why this area we went to and to go and celebrate this new zone which has been given to them where they can have a bit of independence under the bigger body of the Kalihewe Church where they can appoint their pastors, where they can look after their people in a smaller area is so important and that's why we are to be there. Because what we were doing is we were helping them to allow the light of the Gospel to shine and to grow into that area. And further afield as they send their the evangelists out into the outlying areas of Omo and further south where they still have not yet heard the gospel in their country. And as I gave them the message too, 
if they allow the gospel to grow and to shine in their area, it will grow and shine and the kingdom will be built. But if they don't, if they start playing church, if they start moving away from the gospel message and God's word, they will end up like this country. They will start going morally bankrupt. And already there are signs happening in that country. Because of materialism, because of TV, because of TV evangelists and what some of them are proclaiming, because of the prosperity gospel going out and everyone is nailed to these things. The signs are there, but we need to pray for them. And so, what can we both do in both countries? And this is the same message I brought to them. And it's the message that you and I need to hear for this church of Wanganui East Baptist Church. God has been faithful to us for 71 plus years. And we've been able to uphold that ministry there. They call us the mother church. You're our mother. I said to them, you've got an ugly mother. But, but you guys are much prettier. We are the mother church. They see us as that. How would they see it if the mother church folded? and no longer worked with the, walked with the Lord. That would be a tragedy beyond description. We've got a duty before the Lord to be a good mother, to carry on praying for our children, and to carry on walking faithfully with the Lord, as any mother and father should. To carry on teaching our children as we should. And so, what are the, some of the responsibilities from this book of Second Timothy, and now I'm in chapter 4, and verses 2 and 5. I'm hopping around a bit, but I need you to track here with me. This is the first part. Verse 2. Preach the Word of God. I've said that many times from this pulpit. The moment the Word of God isn't preached from this pulpit, bodily take that person and shove them out the door. Do it gently though. But be firm. The Word of God is to be preached faithfully. Otherwise, close the doors. Danger will come in here and you'll get another gospel being preached. Preach the word of God faithfully. And that means you and I as well. We are not to be satisfied with clever stories and motivational talks. We are to hold to scripture. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Not just that, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. You see, if we're not in God's Word, we're not going to realize what is wrong in our lives. Sin will anesthetize us to it. We won't realize it. But God's Word is like a double-edged sword. It cuts in. It shows us. It shows us. It exposes sin. And then it deals with that sin. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to equip His people to do every good work. And so I plead with you as a pastor of this church, as much as I'm speaking to my own soul, spend time in God's Word every day. Allow it to come into your soul. Think about what it says. Put it on your CD player. No, that's all. Put it on your... Imp- whatever technology you've got in your cars and in your ears. Put it on their technology, on your phones, and let it work in on your soul. But use God's Word. Stay away from all the other stuff, all the religious stuff. God's Word first. This is what shows us how to live. This is what shows us when we go wrong. Nothing else suffices. 
as parents. I want to plead with you in your homes. And our Sunday school teachers will tell us our children are not where they should be when it comes to God's Word and knowing it. And whose fault is that? You know me, I can speak it a little straight. Is it the Sunday school teachers? It's us as parents. We are failing in our duty. We are to teach them God's Word because it will take one generation only. That's scary. One generation only who do not go know God's Word and they will walk away and they will not come back unless God intervenes. And so it's our generation's responsibility to teach the next generation because they are going to teach the next generation and if they don't know, how are they going to teach that next generation? Preach God's Word in your home, to your families. You are the priests for your family under Christ. You have the same responsibility I have towards these people that God has put me over. Preach God's Word, not clever little stories. And yet you can start with Bible stories, but start teaching truth through those stories. Otherwise, all they know is stories. Teach the truth. Teach the principles so that they understand that. And then when our kids, sorry, when our teenagers leave and they go to uni and they stand on their own, they'll have the principles of God in their lives. Because otherwise, they'll soon take on the principles of the world and they'll wander away, never to be seen again, unless God intervenes and we pray for that. So preach the word. Secondly, our text says, be prepared whether the time is favourable or not. And yes, that comes to preaching God's word. Whether people want to hear it or not, we bring it into their lives. Whether our children want to hear or not, we must try and bring it to them. Because if we're just going to do it when they want to hear, they'll never want to hear. Why? There's sin here. It's going to push it away, right? So we need to bring them God's word and be prepared whether the time is favourable or not. Tell me, how prepared are you for God's Word and His, His Word living out in your life every day? Do you wake up with a sense of expectation and say, Lord, how will you use me today for your kingdom? As you teach me your Word, Lord, how will you use me for building your kingdom today? Are we prepared? Are we prepared for Satan coming in against us every single day in attack? Because if not, we're going to get caught unprepared. How do we prepare for Him? Back to God's Word. Putting on those promises that He tells us. Be prepared. Third bit in verse 5. You should keep a clear mind in every situation. Now, a classic example. Stuff in life comes up against us. What do we do immediately? We react against the situation. Instead of coming to God first, asking for His wisdom, and then looking at the situation that's come against us. I know I've been in situations too, when waves have come up against me in life. We immediately react to the situation. Instead of coming to God first, asking for His wisdom, and then going into whatever that situation might be. It will change everything. And it will change our perspective. Keep a clear mind. Tie down all those loose ends in your life. All those loose sins. Allow God to deal with them in your life. And there's verses in Scripture, many of them, I can't start here because another sermon will come. Take control of that sin. 
Allow the Holy Spirit to deal with that sin. Don't allow it to just flap it around in your life. It will cause great destruction in you. Before you know it, it will take over. Be prepared for working for the Lord and keep a clear mind. How do we do that? We ask for the Lord's wisdom and then we use the principles He's given us again in His Word. Now here's one you might not like, but it's here in Scripture. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. I believe, and I'm no prophet or son of a prophet that I know of. I believe that we are going to still see a time when Christians are going to suffer more than what you might be now in the West. All over the rest of the world, Christians are suffering for their faith. Even in Ethiopia, I met many of those old saints, 94 years old, who've been in prison, who've been flogged with chains, and when they're allowed out of prison, they go back to preaching the gospel. And they know they're going to get put in prison, but they go. And then they get put back in prison, and then they get whipped and flogged with chains to within inches of their lives, and when they're released, they're back out there preaching the word. We are going to face persecution. And if you've just faced it lightly at work because you're a believer, more is going to come, I believe. And as legislation starts turning against Christianity, we are going to have to stand up for our faith. Be prepared to suffer for your faith for the sake of Jesus Christ. The next part of that verse, work at telling others the good news. You see, what's the Great Commission? If you turn around and look there, we often point to that old poster on that wall. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Can you tell someone else the Gospel message? Are we working at taking out the good news? Are we working at walking across the road to take out the good news? Are we working at speaking to our families about the good news, even though we know they might react to us. Are we working at it? Fully carry out the ministry God has given you. God has given us a job description. We are the soldiers of Jesus Christ. We are to take out the gospel message. I don't want to stand before Him one day and I've only done half the job. I want to die or be with the Lord knowing I've tried my very best for Him. And yes, I might have failed in the past and I might have been scared in the past, but I resolve this day I will walk and talk and live for Jesus Christ. So help me God. Will you walk with me? As a church, the mother church, will you walk so that we can show our children how to walk? They are growing much, much, much faster than us by the grace of God. Our children have outstripped us. They're running way ahead. We need to walk with the Lord and be faithful. And God will use us together for the sake of His kingdom. You see, this isn't finished. I want to pray that prayer with the Apostle Paul, chapter 4, verse 7. And this is what I want to pray too at the end of my life. And if not, I want my wife, if my wife's around when I die, I want my wife to pray this for me. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. Help me, God. And only then and now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. You see, so often in the Christian walk, we too quickly want to grab onto that prize. We want to grab the prize. But what does our text say? If we walk faithfully, when we stand before the Lord one day, He will give us that prize. Don't name it and claim it before the time. He will give it to us because He will count us worthy of the walk we have walked and the talk we have talked and the life we have lived. He will give us the prize. Wait for that day. But until then, let us run that race under the cloud at full steam. And if we do, there will be a, what did he say? A full hallelujah to the Lord. Do you get it? God's name will be glorified. And that's our chief purpose. May God's name be glorified through us. Wanganui East Baptist Church, that other country where God too can be glorified. Amen. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you that in your wisdom and your plan you have brought us into this relationship with those people in Waka and surrounding areas in Ethiopia. We would never have chosen that relationship ourselves. But you did in your wisdom all those many years ago. And thank you Lord that you've sustained that relationship. And now we can be there as an encouragement to each other in the walk. And Lord, thank you that our children are encouraging us in our walk. And Lord, may we be an encouragement to our children in the faith through those evangelists who have been faithful all these years. May we be faithful here too with the help and the enablement that only you can give us. We plead for this in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who can do this in and through our lives. Do your work, we pray. And use us. Amen.